Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. Music and culture continues to be a huge part of the marketing mix for video games, and no one does music better on a global scale than EA Sports and FIFA. To celebrate the launch of FIFA 20, I had Rafael Lima, who leads the Global Music Partnerships and Marketing for EA, stop by. We had a great conversation about when the FIFA game started taking music serious and became the soundtrack goal for global artists, how EA got the Black Eyed Peas to re-record the Monkey Business album in Simlish for the Sims franchise, which eventually led to over 500 artists re-recording their iconic songs. We swap our favorite Snoop Dogg stories, and we assign blame for the iconic Playboy EA Sports Party in 2008. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Rafael Lima, Rafi, Global Music Partnership and Marketing for Electronic Arts. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for having me. Of course. We've been friends for a long, long time. Uh, we don't talk enough, but I made you come out here to uh, to hang out with me. All the, how long was your drive? Whole cross-country drive. <laughs> From LAX, <laughs> by the way. close to an hour at this hour. Uh, I'm sorry. It's crazy. I love you. Thank you for coming out. No, it's a beautiful place. You, so, nice uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about music and marketing. And with the launch of FIFA, I wanted to get you in here and talk a little bit about one of the biggest commitments in, to culture that, that EA makes is around the music for the soundtrack for FIFA. Before we get into that, let's go way back. You have been at EA for 2002? 17. 17, 17 years. 17 years. A veteran. I've spent a decade there, which felt like a lifetime. So yeah. 17 years. Good for you. I don't know if I can get out anymore. Uh, the guy who's supposed to do this podcast eventually, who I will make do it at some point, Steve Schnurr. That's the man. He started this in 2001, so you're kind of ground floor. A visionary. He was. Talk a little bit about what what did he what was he trying to do in 2001 when he started uh, the music division for EA? Oh, Steve was the first one, or EA was the first one to really bring that sort of service in house. Um, so Steve really came through and saw the opportunity to look at these games and look at the audience that these games had, a really captive audience, and an opportunity to expose music and, and bring music to the masses. Uh, I think at the time, games that were coming out, maybe you would hear one or two songs, five max in a title that if you were lucky so there was a lot of that repetition um and then as a music guy I really you know and as a promo guy a guy that comes from the radio world um he he really saw that as a huge vehicle to get music heard yeah before the music when you look back to Nintendo's very orchestral da -da 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 -da, like it was actually bringing real music to the game which had started but I think no one was really doing it in house and I don't think did the artists even understand what a song and a game in 2001 meant from a listener's perspective no at the time I think um a big part of what we do did was educate yeah, and uh, and and it was huge. It was it was it was a two way education, right? It was educating on the video game side, making them understand the value of the art and the culture and what that experience uh, can bring to the game and, and the enhancement that that can add and, and create. Um, but on the other hand, we really had to educate the music business that hey, this is a new space. This is an opportunity to. Uh, get your music in front of more people. Um, this is, especially when we started, I don't even think budgets existed, you know. We yeah. was really trying to sort of prove a concept and, and show that um, 
you had an audience and, and how can we capitalize on this? So we, there was, I remember Steve at the time when I started, I was Steve's assistant and a big part of what I did was just creating DACs to show what is gaming and, and how do we reach people and, um, and we came up with this calculation at the time to bring to the music business or to the music industry. Um, we came up with a calculation, um, to show, the number of impressions that a song could get by getting in the game. So a lot of times, you know, at the time it was all about radio and about airplay and um, and how many spins can a song get. Yeah. And so we put this math together that if you were able to get a song in a game like FIFA, you would get over a billion spins in the life cycle of that game. And did they, I mean, that's just jaw-dropping for that. those guys. Yeah, like for radio, you have none of that, right? Like... I mean, you're going to get a number, but you're not going to get anywhere near that number. And so, I mean, when we used to pitch the Madden stuff, it was a billion radio plays. And, and so labels would be like, all right, well, what do you need from us? Like, exactly. how, how do we build this together? Well, and and going back to Madden, when we placed artists like Avenged Sevenfold and Fall Out Boy or... Um, Even Good Charlotte. We had Good Charlotte before they had a record we deal. We had Good Charlotte. Um, what was the name of the band from... Um, Australia with um Silver Chair? No, <laughs> not Friends Ferdinand, the, the British band, but oh gosh, Jet. Jet. Hmm. Um, Jet at the time we had them in Madden, I wanna say two thousand four or five maybe. Okay. Um and they couldn't get the song played on the radio prior. The game comes out and all of a sudden the stations are getting called. Who played this song? Yeah. And so it's the game, they started to really see the impacts that these games were having on these kids. Um, when we had Blink 182 before it came out, or even um, 30 Seconds to Mars, right? Yeah. Jared Leto's band. Before, when they were going to the radio with that music, the game had already been out and they were calling the radio to do research and people were like, we know the song. How do you know the song? Yeah. That's I and I, I thought I, Green Day giving us a song six months before it got to radio. I mean, when they came back and had the huge album, um, they just they just knew that that's American Idiot. Yeah, for American Idiot before, which is on Broadway, and like it kind of blew up. But like we had it on Madden six months before radio had it, and that was a special moment. I believe that that was the year or a couple of years after we actually did Blink, because Blink was for one moment that I really helped define the power that that game had the band had been around for a long time had become very girl focused from an audience perspective um here they are coming out with a new album and really trying to get to guys and they played the song and they they placed the song on the Madden game and and it really was a turning point um for them at the time and um we worked very closely with the band to to really get them to speak on behalf of what that meant to them. And it was great because the band was like, I've been maddening since I don't know when, and, and now we're in this game. And then fall, and, and so the year after or so, um, this, this industry is small, right? You're working with music labels and publishers and managers, and they're all talking to each other. Now yeah. Green Day has a new album. And how do we bring back this band that hasn't been around in a long time, right? And Or has been... In hiatus here for a minute um, and put them in front of this strong male audience. Um, 
and we had this incredible moment to go into the studio with them and and hear them play the guitar for American, you know, over the American Idiot track because he wasn't even finished at the time. And, yeah. And we had a chance to launch that in the game, which was incredible. Uh, and I think that's the power of kind of gaming can kind of really launch artists, but it's also it's the the artists add so much culture to the game. So I think it works both ways so well, so well for everybody. Um, how did you, how did you land? how did you get into EA 2002 FIFA? Um, tell your story of how you educated on music with, with a FIFA game team and, and how, how that came to be. Yeah. Um, I was, I've been playing FIFA for a long time, 98, probably since 97, 98. Um, so I was obsessed. Uh, pretty much all I did at a whatever job or, or even my job at the time, because he was just listening to music and, and supervising music and supervising um, videos and whatnot. We're listening to music and we're playing video games. And he was between FIFA and Tony Hawk, actually, at the time. Um, and uh, and his opportunity to to get into EA came up, and at the time it was even through an internship. And I'm like, I am in. Like, just <laughs> open the door. And it was incredible. It was um, it was 2002, and we were about to launch the 2003 season. So Madden was coming out, um, and FIFA is about to come out. And I remember listening to the FIFA soundtrack, and it being a collection of British songs. And uh, and they were great, but I'm Brazilian, and I grew up with soccer. Like, it was my life, and, and um, I came in the next day or the next week, and I was like, hey, I made a mixtape. Let me, let me take a listen to what soccer sounds like around the world. And there was bands from Brazil and Colombia and Japan. And So what's your role when you hand him the mixtape? I what's was your- his assistant. He was looking at me like, thanks. Can you go pick up my calls? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's what I love about your story is like you were an assistant, but you were like, you were so passionate about it and you felt like, hey, this is, my culture is not being represented in this global game. This isn't, you're not going to put American music in it. So it's easy. Let's just put British music in it because, you know, soccer's big and over there without that, that global lens. But it was exciting because I think, um, you know, obviously he listened to it and, and he recognized, you know, he's traveling the world to educate this industry about what these this, this games are. And, and he's seeing the presence of, of football, right, soccer in these other places. And so he's seeing for himself. Um, and it opened up the doors for us to, to really create this, this global platform. And FIFA was the perfect place for that, where you really could then the next year with FIFA 2004, um, and our producer at the time, Joe Nichols, was a huge supporter of music as well and somebody who had come from the music business. So it was an easy sell and, and an easy way to get, it was easy to get his support and, and really, um, FIFA 2004, I believe, was the first one that we had 40 tracks. That was the year that we launched Kasabian. We have, like, an exclusive version of a Kasabian track in that um, game, and and Kasabian has been a band now, you know, that has been Mm -hmm. heavily associated with that title. We have supported every title they have come out, every song and every album that they have come out with. Surge this year has a track in the game. 
was there a moment that was there a moment of a of something that you're pushing Steve to put global music into it? And was there a moment where something just broke through and he's like, How did you how did you know or how did you see that? Well, no, I think um, earlier on when I had put that mixtape together, there was a Japanese band that I had put in there, um, Puffy Yumi that just went on to break. They were huge. Huge right after. And he's like, how did you know that? And and I think that was the first time that I'm like, it's that gut feeling, right? But um, but I think we had a moment collectively with 2004. Um, he had gone to this trip in Europe and brought back a bunch of music from, from different places and were listening to it collectively. And we came across this band, Tribalistas, which is a Brazilian band, and I knew the band, and, and he was in love with them. And the song was called Jacé Namorar, and it was this very sort of different track, um, tempo-wise and stylistically, that you would have expected in a game. And uh, and I remember him loving that. And I said, I, I love this song. Like, would you see this in FIFA? And he's like, it's, it's a great song. It can be in FIFA. And I think that that sort of started defining, too, a lot of what FIFA has become. Uh, when people look at us and say, what's a FIFA song? We kind of have the lame answer of, it's a great song. So we we were listening to this Tribalista song, and we put that song in the game that year in FIFA 2004. It marked the first time a Brazilian track is actually in the game. So I'm mega proud. <laughs> um, but he ended up being a huge thing for the band, um, breaking, you know, and going overseas and, and going into to other places. And we saw that repeat itself a lot with FIFA over and over um, to this day where you place a song in FIFA and all of a sudden an artist from Brazil or Ghana or whatever that is is getting called to perform at South by Southwest and now they can tour in America or they can go on tour in Europe and they have people that show up and buy their CDs and they're like, I heard your song in the game. What's the difference in the conversation in 2019 about putting a song in Madden versus 2007 putting a song in Madden? I mean, they, it's, yeah. it feels like a different world, it right? It is, it is. Like I said, I think the beginning of things, um, there, was, there was a big educational process that we had to go through there and to show the value, prove the value, continue to under, make people see the platform that there was, and now we've become a part of their marketing plans. And that know? conversation in 2006 is like, the if you want us in the thing, the check has to be this big and yada, yada, yada. And I feel like it reverses a little bit, that like towards the end of when I was doing the Madden soundtrack with you. But now, even nowadays, it's less about how much am I getting for putting a song in the soundtrack and more of like hey i really need you guys to leverage me and kind of how do you how are you going to take my track and bring it to life from a marketing perspective and it is it is it is it is a it is a marketing component we've become a marketing partner there is a track obviously that we write and it's great and it goes to 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 the music rights holders um and the artists but um everybody involved now see that as Mandatory. I mean, this has to get done. It's, it's a part. Yeah. And, you know, we have bands um, like Louis the Child a couple of years ago before the band sort of came out. We had a song in the game. They aligned putting the track out the same day that we would announce the FIFA soundtrack. And now you have, within 24 hours, a brand new band that put a video out there, and they have over a million views on this video, all driven from that communication and that messaging that we had 
yeah. done together. Um, so you're able to monetize, capitalize, and, and build in different ways. You, you grow into, you, you start touring in different areas, like I said, all of a sudden you can cross over into a different country that you would not go before if it hadn't been for the audience that we brought through the game. Yeah. How... Go through the process. So FIFA 20 just launched. Congratulations. It's amazing. Um, how, how How is the process for you in building a soundtrack? So FIFA 19 ships. You, the next day, you got to start working on 20. What's the journey for you on kind of finding? How many tracks are on, on, the, uh, on the new game? Oh, FIFA this year was a beast. Yeah, because we had Volta. Yeah. So Volta had its own soundtrack. So talk about um, Volta. Volta had its own soundtrack. Used it in a very unique way. And that's a single, it's it's a different um, mode. It's a different mode. A different mode in the game. It's interactive. It's interactive. We worked with stems. Music grows as your gameplay is evolving. So it was a different way to implement. And it had different music needs. You still have that FIFA stamp and flavor, but it it has more edge. It has more grind. Um, It matches more of of the environment and and the mode. Street, soccer, culture driven. So different kind of music. So what's your journey? How, How how are you guys deciding who, what labels you're working with, what bands are you, are you going on the road meeting with labels? Who because the labels will know who the hits are ahead of time to some degree, yeah. um, and then some of them need we you. But we do it all. We 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 definitely have a, a an outreach process that we do usually at the beginning of the year because the programming of this title happens like you said almost. The, minute, the moment that you ship, you're already thinking of the next one. But that nine to three months prior to the game shipping, those six months right there are the heavy programming time. And I think that that's when we really get ourselves out there talking to every partner, um, major labels, indie labels, publishers, managers, artists, and really everybody in between. Because at this point, being the same team for 17 years, there's such a united front there and a, a People know who to go to, and, and you've become a part of their world. Uh, so they communicate. They have an artist going into the studio. They're saying, so-and-so is going to record, and we might have an album in three months, and what do you have? So you start aligning mm-hmm. early on with what that is and, and how is it that you can get behind and, and work together. And um, and it's overwhelming. You know, music comes from all over the place. Um, I was looking at... A folder I have with music that I just haven't been able to get to this year, and it's got over four thousand emails with with things connected that I just haven't been able to click. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a lot. Just a different way than it used to be. We're used to chase it. Right? Yeah. It just yeah. feels so differently. So you bring the music in, great relationships with the artists, but you're actually the cultural piece of it kind of is driven um, outside of music, but the artists want to be more involved in the process and in the game, you guys have started having the artists actually design kits for FIFA. Yeah, I love that. Talk a little bit about kind of where that started from and how how you're building that out from a marketing perspective. I think that started about four years ago. I want to say 17 was the first year that we had the opportunity to bring music um, artists, music artists designed kits into the game. Um, and that was a year that the team um, brought up that opportunity because they realized with FUT, 
in particular. FIFA um, Ultimate Team for the rookies. FIFA Ultimate Team. Um, FUT wasn't a chosen name. <laughs> <laughs> customization is, is a big thing. And within customization, kids were gravitating towards a lot of these jerseys that were unique and different and, and just non-standard sort of club mm-hmm. jerseys that you would see. Um, at the time, I remember them um, using, a, I believe, a Japanese jersey that had like a rainbow across that kids just went crazy over. Um, and they thought, hey, maybe musicians can, can do something fun here. Which, no-brainer, right? So every year now we've been approaching, we'll work with five or so artists that we will have them design these unique digital kits that they bring into the game. Um, A lot of these artists have made them in real life, which I love, Mm -hmm. building my little collection there. But we have designs from Ronda Jewels with um, Childish Gambino. We have a jersey that Billie Eilish designed for us last year, Imagine Dragons. Jungle and Group Love and Major Laser, LSD. Yeah, there's a lot. We have like 30 plus of these now in game, uh, which is I love it. It just it feels like an extension because obviously music is a cultural moment. But when we see Virgil and and what's what he's doing in the space and what Kanye does in the space, that music isn't their core business. It's part of their lives, but they're also doing a lot of other things in fashion and kind of stretching out. So you guys giving that that opportunity or that that platform to kind of extend what they do. You go to a Sophie Tucker show now, and you are going to have the FIFA kits available to purchase when you're on tour. So you you know, as a brand, you're you're getting into really being a part of that cultural DNA. Um, and then on the artist side, um, these kits are getting played with millions and millions and millions and millions of times. Yeah. Uh, a talk, band might not sell 500,000 Yeah, talk about Jungle for a minute. So, like, how big is that band? Like, people that are listening probably don't know who. They know who Billie Eilish is, but they don't know who, who's Jungle. Right. Jungle is a band we've been obsessed with, and we probably have had them twice or, or three times at in our FIFA soundtracks, and they're a band from the U.K., um, how big a band are they? You know, I, I don't know how many records they have sold. If you look and you know from an Instagram even perspective, like these guys don't have maybe a half a million followers. Okay. Um, Small up and coming in the market, but incredible, incredible artist, uh, but not a mass pop mm-hmm. artist. Um, look at that. Their Instagram is one hundred five thousand followers. Okay. Um, and within a month of us launching FIFA last year, their kit was owned by over six, 700,000 people. Um, and that had generated over 15 million matches just with a jungle jersey. Like, that is such a huge yeah. thing from a brand, like for a band like that to have that brand exposure in a game. With somebody wearing their jerseys, like the amount of minutes they're playing that that match, it's 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 just that extension of kind of that band is seven hundred thousand people. You have a hundred thousand people on your Instagram. So seven times as many people are engaging with your design tied to your music in the game. I mean, I I just think the cultural thing is such an important play. I mean, especially when you see Billie Eilish is launching with Murakami's videos and like just all that lifestyle place. The Run the Jewels guys love kind of extending into the culture. You and I know those guys really well. I tend to 
could get them before you guys do on some of the things. I just want to start, start a fight with you. to that one, which drives me nuts. <laughs> have, I probably have your notes still saved to this day. I literally, <laughs> I, I, I was with the guys the other day, and I literally thought when I posted that, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a text. I, I knew I was going right? And Will told me you called him right away, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> no, I love it. But listen, those guys, like, it was a dream come true, and I finally was able to get to work with them. You, you know, guys crossed I had it been with the FIFA knocking, stuff. Yes, I had been knocking amazing. at their door for a little bit, and, and when we had the Alternado campaign a couple of years ago with Ronaldo, they wrote a track, they got on the plane, they made the TV commercial, and we designed a kit, and we got to do all of that. Um, so I, I, I love them. I love that. And I love that those guys. I mean, we did something with them where we put um, we put those guys in Gears Four, like we've done the yes. soundtrack, and we did all I that, that stuff. Shirt. So I, you know, I, I almost that shirt. I almost wore that shirt to this podcast, but I wasn't trying to kind of. No, I, I would have loved it. I actually, I need to. I gotta check myself because I, I go into my daughter's school with that shirt, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, maybe this is not appropriate. Yeah. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've worn that. I've worn that to pick up my kids as well. But I, I feel like so we work together forever, and I feel like you got you inspired me to do some of that stuff because I think what we did with Run the Jewels with Gears Four. Why we didn't invent fire? Like what you guys have been doing that forever. I mean, I think I want to go all the way back to Army of Two. Like, oh wow, Kevin Kimball, my my guy, running Army of Two. Didn't like tell us that story. Didn't didn't you start? Like, was that really one of the first moments you started putting those guys in as characters? From what I can remember now, right? Because it's that one was far back already. Um, but we had we had an opportunity to. Uh, create this duo um, with Big Boy and B.O.B. And actually did a song, too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these things, you know, a lot of what I do starts with, I need a song. Yeah. And then from there, it's like, okay, great, what else? we have a song. How can we build on this? Um, so I believe that that one was, was that. And, um, and those guys were like two little boys. They actually had to dress up in the black suit with the dots and they got to get the little things on their beards and they were playing around carrying guns and just having the time of their lives. It's really bringing those guys into the games as playable characters because I think that's how you tend to unlock better access to the music or more of that stuff is when we sit with when we sit with a band on our side it's very much like i want to put your song in this game they're like well let me see the game and let me understand it and by the end of the conversation it's like well what else can we do i want to be more involved in the in the process because they're they're passionate about it and they love it but i think that the playable characters in the game i mean i think it goes back talk about justin timberlake like we did stuff with him and um, what year was that? That must have been 04, uh, maybe 05. 04, 05. Um, that was I got to get Amy. I'm going to do a podcast with Amy, Amy. and bring there her in. Go. She's at Nike um, running Tiger stuff. But yeah, that I mean, I think. the first one. He did VO. We had, we did a lot with him at the time. We were in the studio with him for probably three, four days capturing a lot of that. Bringing those guys, I think, in, in is really big. But I think you guys, and Kylie's not here, so you can take full credit. I call him Lloyd. Uh, I think you can take full credit for this. But I think what the the seminal moment for, for EA at the time was Lincoln Park and Medal of Honor. Um, that collaboration. That um, seriously, just talk about that a little bit. I mean, you guys had, you guys owned the track, but then didn't, they shot the video. Yeah, so we, we had the game coming out at the time and we wanted a, an end title. We wanted a track that could get the message of the game across and, and they were working on a new album. And Castles of Glass was the perfect track. It was a perfect combination. It came to life at the right time. 
Um, and so that track was in the game, and, and we did quite a lot around it, and we wanted to do the video together. The con and, wanted to um, shoot it, right? And it was, yeah, it was incredible. It's funny, because I think when I think back, you know, from an EA perspective or like on, on from a gaming perspective, they're like, there wasn't enough game footage in there. Yeah, there <laughs> was like, live. This it was is a, a dope video. Yeah, it was Han shot it, literally shot it himself. And it was literally live action, like playing yeah. dress up, going through the like reliving kind of moments in the game. And then it was interspliced with game footage, um, which came across great. That was like that had to be the number one track from that from that album. I which believe was a monster. that video is still maybe a top three for the band most watched. Ever, yeah, something like that. It's it's over one hundred and fifty million. It's 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 a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. So I mean, I, I just love the idea of kind of as these guys get more involved and as as music. Why why am I putting my song in Madden into now? Like I want to be more involved. I want to shoot the video. Like just yeah. seeing. Gaming is a marketing platform for them, I think. Is. They realize the power, right? Yeah. I think we had a, a, a very cool moment a few years back with Battlefield when we brought um, a remix of Seven Nation Army to life. And um, that is, I believe, the most watched video game trailer of all times. Mm-hmm. Um but you think about a band like that, it's it's one of the biggest songs in the world. What can you do for one of the biggest songs in the world? Well, we had them go back into the charts, and we had sales go up 400% that first week and remain up 200% for, for a while after that. So um, it's crazy to like, see. Fuck, that. I forgot about that song. I love that song. Like, So it's it's it's... You, you definitely have an impact even from that you do have an impact um yeah. even with the big guys um i had a meeting once in um a cashmere the guys who manage snoop mm-hmm. and uh we were just going over new artists new things that they were doing and and they had coming up and all of a sudden snoop crashed the meeting and he walks in and he's like are you here for for fifa because I need an artist that you got to put on that FIFA game. That FIFA game, it's like you got to get on that FIFA game. And and so he had, he was working with this girl, Issa, from Poland, and he's just like, that's that's the way to get her heard. Um, and, um, and so that's when he actually shares this story that the reason, he's like, listen, I discovered Skateboard P in Madden, and Skateboard P is uh, Pharrell. Um, and he says that he then invited him for a studio session, and that's when they recorded Beautiful. Beautiful is one of his biggest songs. As a Brazilian, I even go crazy over it, right? They shot the thing in Brazil and whatnot, so I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, like we had something to do with that maybe? Um, so it's fun to, to hear these stories back from these artists and, and see how these games um, mean something to them. Yeah. How many times have you worked with Snoop? I don't have enough fingers <laughs> in my hands or brain cells left we, to count. <laughs> we all lived with Snoop forever. Like, he's so involved in everything. He's he can bring sprinkles one. in and tell some Snoop stories. Uh, what's your favorite memory of something you've done with him? Ooh, favorite memory. Mine was when we actually had him at Man Bowl play. It was the first time we actually had him play. We snuck him out like at 1 a.m. Well, I think we were supposed to sneak him out at midnight, but he didn't show up till 1 a.m. But we did a secret show at Madden Bowl, which was fun. 
Okay, I had a really good one. This was crazy. Uh, FIFA. Uh, was that FIFA 13? We had Snoop and Rocky, ASAP Rocky, mm-hmm. um, come to our FIFA launch party in New York City at Susan Sarandon's tennis club. So she's there hanging out with Snoop. Um, and it was a great event. It was a great party. And we had to do a car wash at ESPN in Bristol with Snoop the next day, be live on air at 9 a.m. So it's 6 a.m. Car wash for, for those. <coughs> the me, car wash. Car wash means you have to go to Bristol and you have to do all of the ESPN shows. It's a full day of work where you're going to show up on everything. And prior to that whole thing, um, you know, I had sat down with Snoop and, and showed him the schedule and um, and made sure, like, because it was going to be a long day. So he was all in. Um, we knock at his hotel room at, like, 6 a.m., right? Hey, let's go. We got to get two hours driving to um, Bristol. And now Snoop comes down at, like, 7.30. And I, we're just like, we're going to miss this first show. First show is at 9 a.m. It's a live show. How do we do this? But we're driving. And we're like maniacs. We're great. We're, we're on track and fine. And all of a sudden, Snoop's bus, like, disappears. There was a split on the road. And we're like, what happened? <laughs> and we're and it, it, it was just, it was, what's going to happen now? Like, where do they go? Like, we're literally, we cannot waste a minute. And all of a sudden, the boss just comes back in front of us again. Like, I don't know where where he went and where he came back from, and we're back on track. But at that point, I'm about, maybe I shouldn't share this story here. No, it's good. We can cut it out later. <laughs> um, I'm about to be my pants. I've been holding for so long. Like, and I have to have the car pull over. And they're like, I was like, Snoop is ahead of us. He can go. But we get to ESPN at 8.58. Snoop gets out of the car. He had somebody already working on him, obviously, like while he's on that bus. He walks out. He sits right on that desk. 9 a.m. Cameras go off, and he is trending worldwide on Twitter. Everybody's pinging me, dude. Snoop is on Mike and Mike, like talking about FIFA, and I'm sitting there, like, is this really happening, or am I dreaming this right now? We were just, we made it from New York here <laughs> in an hour and 27 minutes. Like this guy just made it on the air, and I think that was one of my first times that, you know, I also looked at him, and you get why he is who he is. Yeah. He is a professional. Like, the minute that that camera goes on, the minute that it's his time, he turns, and it's magic. Yeah. It's, 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 it, you can't replicate that. It's not any, everybody that can do it. And, uh, and it just shows. Like, right there on that moment, it shows why he is. Professional. Who he is. The funny thing about that is your favorite, like, you've worked really hard three months to plan that out and the strategy, and when he's trending worldwide, the first thing you're thinking is not, like, Wow, what a great strategy. We actually delivered. It was like, how the fuck did we get here that fast? Like, you're still That's thinking about the travel like, time. We, are we really here? Or did I just pass out halfway on that trip? And no, I'm like, you're, you're yeah. not so 
celebrating your accomplishments. You're like just shocked by the moment that you got there. My my other favorite story from Snoop was I think Madden 08. We he had sent a note and he was like, I need Madden as fast as possible. I'm like, all right, cool. And I got the box in and I texted him. And he called and said, I just landed in London. And this is before digital, like, access or anything. And he's like, I just landed in London. I'm at the airport. And I'm like, I'm in Orlando, and I actually physically have your copy. And he's like, hold on. And he's like, dude, you got to get back on the plane. And he sent one of his crew, like, literally at the airport, gets back on the airplane and flies back to Orlando. And he... Snoop texts me that he's, he's arriving at noon and I'm like made the guy fly overnight so I had to drive to the Orlando airport and like he had to come out of security get the game from me get back on a plane and fly back to London like the guy had gone LA London Orlando and back just so Snoop could have his copy of Madden two days early it's amazing I mean he has to be the first yeah he always has to be the first he has to be the first I remember one year I got a call from the reception at EA LA and they're like Rafi um Warren G is here for you I'm like excuse me like Warren G are you sure it's Warren G like I'm thinking it's somebody like trying to get to us and give us a CD or whatever it is and and the girl's like, I'm not sure. I was like, you don't know what Warren G looks like? Come on, like, you're really making me come down. And I walk down, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Warren G. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Dog has a copy of Madden, and so does Ludacris. So I was driving by, and I saw the sign. I came here to get mine, and I'm like, we don't make Madden here. Like, so funny. <laughs> and it was before Madden was out. I was like, we don't make Madden here. I don't have copies of Madden here. Like, it's oh before the gosh. codes where everybody had to have a physical copy. I think that was the same year, and I, I can take credit for it now because I couldn't at the time. But that was the game and where he did the Bow Wow Challenge. Uh, do you remember that? Did you see that at all? I'm trying to remember. So little Bow Wow. So game, I sent them early copies. It was our 20th anniversary. And they did videos on YouTube of the bus. And it got super graphic. But, like, I could beat you in Madden. Um, and there were, like, it went into video after video of them sharing, like, oh, yeah, well, Sierra's going to come hang out with your boys if I can beat you. And if you can beat me, like, they just went back and forth. And it got so raw and we were like, I love this, but I can't do anything about this. So we actually brought in some outside people, and they did a $100,000 tournament, uh, just played each other because they were just talking so much shit. I remember that. Yes. It was so it was super It was super authentic, but super, like, non-corporate. And so I had to bring someone in to actually execute it. If you go Google uh, Little Bow Wow or Game Madden, um, the videos are still up on YouTube. And <laughs> it was so amazing. But it was something that you could never... Uh, say that you were behind but it was it was great like it just was just two people that are just so purely passionate about that's that's the stuff the I game love. you know it's hard when you have to to apply these things through that corporate filter right and the brand and yeah I, it was but it, but it was something that like this is perfect for the ip like how do i get this done without rigatello finding out about the, <laughs> all of this stuff coming to life which i thought was uh which i thought was great um I want to talk about uh, one of the cool things that we did together on the Madden soundtrack was Young Dre the Truth, Good Charlotte collab. Drizzle. Still one of my favorite songs that we had worked on. I'm going to try and get Johnny to put that as the intro to this podcast. Uh, 
I loved making an original track with Good Charlotte. Tell me about uh, Young Dre the Truth and what we put together. That was great. Dre was one of the artists, you know, we had a comp- we had a venture at the time as part of what we were doing with music where we were signing artists to, to publishing deals and having a deeper relationship with them. So actually at the time we had Chromio was one of our acts, Matt and Kim, Airborne, um, and a few others, Lady Tron, uh, oh, Junkie XL. Jumpsuit Apparatus. No, we did. We, we didn't have them as a band. Rat jumps you guys, and you guys forced him into all my all my soundtracks. <laughs> but these were bands that we just you know deeply loved, and actually got into a deeper relationship with them. And and Dre was um, was one that on on the hip hop side of things, right on the urban side, we we developed this relationship with him. And uh, and I remember when he started hanging out with the Good Charlotte Boys. And played a few things that they were doing. Um, what was the, uh, what did Good Charlotte call themselves? Dead Executives. So they were doing the dead executive stuff where they were producing things. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, man, you, you've got to build here. And, uh, and he had two or three tracks that came out of, of that collaboration that they did. And Working was one of them. And, uh, Working was being played at the time on. Um, I think it was for the Mad- the number two Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Kiss was Kiss was playing that record like it was. It was. I, I'll never forget when we first heard that song come out of the radio did for the we first made, time. Did we, we, we did that right. We we put it in the game and, and I think it was Mad No Nine because I had uh, we had Guitarla perform at the when we did the Rose Bowl. Madame Palooza. Madame Palooza. So I built that out. Um, which I've got good stories of sitting in a hospital bed. Busta, Busta played that. Busta too, played right? that. Good Charlotte, but I think Young and Dre played too. Yeah, yeah. Jung, Dre came out and played with them, yeah. which was awesome. So it was just a great moment. Like we had built that track from the ground up, and it, it was a thing. And I was a fan of Good Charlotte just because we had put them the in history. And, yeah, them, the history right? that we had with those guys. Those guys would do anything for us because we really helped blow those guys out, and we were big fans. So it was fun to actually build a, a, a live raw track with those guys um, and no, mix in great. somebody that had. Hadn't really broke through yet, and I love them to this day. You know, those guys will still come out and and support things that we do. So they're very much um, still a part of our. I want world, that track in a twenty twenty one title. Find a way to get that retro track. Bring it back. Seriously, TBT. You did more than just. We didn't really kind of get into the other stuff. You worked on all the franchises across that. We focused a lot on sports. Talk about the Sims. So the Sims is one of the biggest franchises in EA history. True. Um, music was a big part of that, but mo- most of the music that you put into Sims was in a different language. All of it. All, All of, it. of it. Yeah, the Sims, the 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 native language of the Sims is Simlish, and really everything that you hear in Sims is in Simlish. So when um, when we started at EA, a lot of the music that you would have heard in the game was was commissioned and created for that. Um, and uh, and so we started playing with some small acts here and there to, to write songs in Simlish. And I think that one big moment that we had that started to really turn things around was um, Black Eyed Peas. The, the Peas launched Monkey Business in Simlish 
with The Sims Herbs before that album was even out. So we had about, I think we had nine songs. So eight songs from that record, plus they did a re-record of Let's Get Started from the previous album. And, um, and so we had that in the game. And that's when we really looked at it and we're like, wow, we just need to ask the question. You know, let's start really showing these guys what this is. And, and to your point, it's one of our biggest games. Um, it's a huge community. And uh, and so we started to, to do that since. And now we have over at least 500 major artists and songs that have been re-recorded in Simlish from... The Pussycat Dolls, Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Like Me, to Katy Perry, Hot and Cold, to the Pashmo tracks, and... Is it, I mean, everybody, you had fun. We had it's fun like doing tonight. tonight. And those things came out, like, at the same time, so that goes to show, you know, we're we're small team, like, how in tune we are with, with things and, and when they are about to pop. You know, Sibel had that track we recorded months before the song was a hit. Um, Shout out to my guy Venus Brown with the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> being the first to pull that together. No, it was, it's, it's fun. And um, um, now we have, you know, when you look back again, we're talking about Katy Perry, Lily Allen. Most recently we had Lizzo do a record for us. And um, so it's a fun history there of working with these acts right when they were starting and, and then all of a sudden you have a hit. Yeah, just hands. my life was so much sports there, but I could just recognize and see the other stuff that was happening around the company that was just amazing because I think at the time Sims 3 had launched when I was there and it was just kind of a monster. But seeing kind of how music ties across all of those things for, you know. To yeah, I think the sports stuff, you know, in a way also became very um, – visible in front of mind when it comes to music because of just how the jukebox worked and and the idea of programming ahead right and, and staying ahead of the trends and culture and turning people onto things that they are not necessarily hearing on the radio and in other places um but you know you do have need for speed is is a game that has an incredible soundtrack in history and um Sims with with what we've done there, but then we have titles like Mirror's Edge, where um, titles in general like that that you have composed music as the 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 core of of what you're hearing. You may still need an opportunity. You may still you may, you may still have the need to create a theme song, and and with that have an opportunity to work with a pop act or a main act to 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 do something you know for you. So Mirror's Edge was one that we had worked with churches um at the time and and it's a great track it's actually probably one of my favorite churches songs it's it's our mirror's edge track um so that's exciting when you have that opportunity to create something with a band that you love and it becomes a successful thing for them as well and and it's something that is in your game yeah how does is technology hurting or helping you in your journey when you think about spotify and dash and the different kind of platforms obviously the music space has changed significantly i think one of the reasons they're coming to you guys is because album sales isn't really critical anymore you've got downloads and stuff so it's really about building 
the the team's awareness. Like I think being on Madden is the most successful thing. It's better than SoundCloud, right? For these guys, because it's so authentic. Are you? Do you feel a challenge with Spotify? Do you guys work with those guys? How does no, technology I, I, work? The technology, you know, I think. To answer the question, how technology has perhaps affected what we do, it wouldn't be in the sense of uh, these music technology platforms coming to life. I look at that as um, I'm actually in all of those places, right? I look at it as extensions of what we do. Um, I think from a technology perspective where at one point we felt um, it worked perhaps against us, if you want to say it that way, is the fact that we're always trying to program, like I said, ahead. So you're liking, you know, the go is Madden. You're starting in Madden sometime in January. You close the game in May. That game is coming out in August. You want that music to be fresh, current, or ahead of the time then. Um, in the beginning of the days, it was quite easy to do that because labels are getting albums sometimes a year i had a release six months i had a release we had mm-hmm. time to be aligned and plan and and go out now all of a sudden you get you wake up and there is an okanye west track out Thursday in the winter webs and yeah. and the label's like i'm trying to clean this shit up you know like it's just out there so it's like you don't have time to react so from a technology perspective I um it's affecting the market. That kind of sucks, you know, yeah. because you from a programming uh perspective now you're even more challenged to to really stay on top and stay ahead, which sure. is fine. We'll take the challenge. Um but then it's now how do we progress how we are uh, programming and servicing and bringing this music into our world and how are utilizing that tag to then enhance, right, the experience that we're creating for for our consumers and I think that's where I'm more that's what I'm very excited about. I think there's a lot of untapped potential yeah. there still. Um, and uh, we just scratched the surface, right? So when I look at a Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music, like a lot of these platforms, um, we're there. FIFA comes out. FIFA is in all of these places. Um, you guys do a lot of big things with Dash. You partnered with Dash for some of the launch stuff. Love, you have ch- loves key. You have a channel set up on there, which is great. So I look at it more Listen, of... Listen, we actually had, we had something with Dash a few years back where it was the first time I was able to get our FIFA event live streamed or mm-hmm. streamed, right? Uh, live streamed, not video, but audio um, through Dash. And uh, it was super exciting. We had... Sophie Tucker at the time performing for us and 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 a few other acts and and uh, they were able to broadcast the show. We had interviews. We had a really sort of first with them. Yeah. Um, I so I do look at that as um, complementary. I definitely the want best to work to with ex- all those guys. Yeah, finding the best way to extend the marketing within those platforms because I always was for the bands that we're licensing and, and working with, like yeah. a FIFA playlist. Oh, FIFA, you know, we just launched a FIFA playlist. Already is over 45,000 followers, right? Each FIFA playlist that yeah. we put out there breaks over 100,000 followers. That's a really huge number for, for the Spotify platform. Going back to Jungle, like no one's going to find Jungle on Spotify unless you're really looking for it, but you're going to find it on, the, yeah. on your channel. And so when you look at, you know, the first month that a FIFA is out there, if you look at the, the volume of plays that we generate, it is in, it's over 10 million plays that gets out of our playlist at launch. And so um, I remember one year, a few years back, getting a call from a major label 
about this little band that we had put in FIFA. And they're like, what are you guys doing to promote the playlist? And we're like, we did a blog announcement, <laughs> right? And they're like, 25% of the airplays they're getting right now on Spotify is coming out of your playlist. Um, that's incredible. Here it's yeah. a major label band, like, feeling, feeling that push. So um, we get those calls now. We get those calls and... Can you push the song up on the playlist? It's alphabetical. Yeah. <laughs> trying to save words. myself here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, we're together in it. I, those guys are partners. Yeah. That's so funny. Last question. Playboy Mansion. Party. Madden. It's all Kylie's fault, really. Biggest uh, birthday party ever. Biggest party ever. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your. So I love bringing it up with Kylie. What was your take on the Madden 08 soundtrack launch party at the Playboy Mansion? Listen, you got to remember that it wasn't just a Madden 08. It was an EA Sports. EA Sports broader. It was an EA Sports okay. party. We did okay. have FIFA. We did have others. You're just describing uh-huh. how you're paying for the budget. Exactly. What you just described, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> but it was, it was. It was an EA Sports celebration, although right at the time the Madden is happening. Um, Where's your boss at the time before we get into the story? <laughs> so we're like, so Kylie's... We have a little is, thing called sabbatical, right? We have been there for so long. Uh, so where's... Where, so Kylie decides to have a launch music party uh, at the Playboy Mansion. I said, sure, go for it. <laughs> like, I like the idea. We had, I think we had put, uh, Steve and I had put uh, Matt, we were on the cover of Billboard magazine that it was our, I think it was 20th anniversary. So we had the Billboard cover. So it was a big deal. Where's Steve when the party goes down? Steve was on uh, his sabbatical. Okay. And at that time... He wasn't in L.A. on a sabbatical. No, 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 no. He he joined the Israeli army. That was his sabbatical. That was his sabbatical. Volunteering for the army. So he put his service, he he put in his service and his time um, when the company was... Which was perfect. And super (laughs) shout out to Steve for volunteering. But like, I think what Kylie thinks at that point is like, oh, he can't find me. He's busy. He's not online. He has no clue right (laughs) now. He uh, and, you know, to Kylie's Kylie lined up. Who did we bring? Who came came through to this party? I believe, and by the way, I believe that was the same day, well timed, that we did the football flag football game in Malibu that day. So we had done the launch of. Uh, remember, we did the we, we partnered with the NFL flag football, and Anthony Stevenson was putting that stuff together. Um, and then that night, I think we extended the day. So what? Look, so no travel. All the travel was covered because we were here for the Madden event. That's well, great. well timed, good coverage. Um, but listen. Rudder came down for yeah. that party. We, we had, like all, all, all producers, all marketing. It was an EA Sports folks, party, like, not a Madden yes, party. That's it was right. EA Sports. Like okay. you definitely had that representation across the board there. Um, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. That yeah. was a gig. That was a nice gig. It was a good. It was a good gig. Cypress Hill performing. We had that whole mention. To ourselves. There was a lot of people there. There's a lot of people there. Cashmere was running the event for us. I remember we had a great press, great attendance. 
a great party. Very successful. Lots of photos that I put on Facebook the next day, and then Jeff Brown immediately sent a company-wide email saying, take, take all the photos take now. Take all your right photos. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very successful party. Our ROI was great, but just don't talk about your party. Did not share those photos. I am going to do a podcast with, uh, with you, with Kylie. I'm going to get Jordan Edelstein and Tom oh. Getty and Mel Lenzi, and we're just going to share EA Sports War stories because oh it's a whole bunch of stories that no one's ever told that I know are good stories that we should be sharing with people. So. We're going to need a bottle to I know. go with that one. For serious. <laughs> I ask people I'll usually, them. at the end, I usually ask people what, we're, what they're playing. I want to know what, it, I'd rather know from you, what are you listening to? What, what, uh, give me three artists that you're in love with right now that you're listening to. Little Sims, obsessed with her. Um, and actually, we just did. Um, we got one of her tracks in our TV commercial for the FIFA right now, and we got her to do VO as well. So a super, super awesome artist from the UK, rapper, okay. badass chick. Love her. Um, you know, listen, it's hard because this year I feel like I have been on nothing but Billie Eilish and Lizzo, you know, like sure. those are the two things in, in that really sort of like in my life, but there is nothing new there at this point. But um, you're still listening there to is it. one track that I'm currently on repeat. I have to listen to it every day. And that is uh, dance monkey by tones and I. So that's one that's kind of like a recent, like mega obsession. Um, there was something that I just had it in my head. Jones and I, Little Sims. Is it on your soundtrack? Are you just listening no, to the FIFA soundtrack? that's the music person. See, you ask a music person what they're listening to, and they draw blanks. Something that hangs out with Snoop too long. You tend to start to forget things. Oh, um, I'm obsessed with 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 Balvin. Anything Balvin. Just you know, that was the best thing out of Coachella this year. Like went to Coachella probably to see Billy because I had missed her so many times and needed an excuse to kind of get back into the desert. And left there with just, I'm in awe with Jay Balvin, in awe with Rosalia. Um, so I'm pretty hooked on that Rosalia track, too. It's funny, because now I'm saying songs that, but I guess we place the songs that we get obsessed with. So sure. this is all this stuff I think we have in the I that's key for the talent, is to get you and obsessed with their stuff, because that's how you break through. That's how you break through and get into your commercials, is because you guys, you guys have to fall in love with it, because the teams that are doing the commercials are looking for your recommendations. So... Um, Talk about Major Laser. So that's, I mean, that's, you guys have done some, talk about FIFA 20 with what you guys are doing with yeah. those guys. So Major Laser, you know, Diplo is, is, is another obsession, right? I've been, we've been in love with him for, for so long. Um, really, everything that he touches, like, the guy is just so great. But um, we had, we were talking about that. We had Major Laser in FIFA for the first time 11 years ago. Um, and obviously have been a part in supporting a lot of what these guys do and, and wanted to be a part and wanted to support a lot of what they do. And this year we had this great opportunity with Volta, um, new mode in FIFA, like we talked about, very um, more dark, edgy, grittier, um, about the streets. Um, yet FIFA is this global sound. Um, I also like, I love, I love the name Volta. I'm very biased because it's, it's also a word in Portuguese and, um, Volta has a couple different meanings for me of coming back around, of, of getting around. Um, 
and in talking about who would be the sort of artists that could bring this sound and, and really represent what we were trying to get across from a music perspective, who could that be? Major Laser was across the board um, between us and the team, somebody that came up, you know, and, and we all were like, this is it. How can we work with those guys to do this? So um, I was excited because anytime I have an opportunity to work with an artist that I am, a true fan of it's it's sure. icing on and, the cake. And right? tell everybody who's in Major Laser. So we have you, Major Laser is uh, Diplo. It's one of his side projects. Um, so it's Diplo Walshi and, and Ape Drums. Um, I reached out to management and was like, "Listen, we want to work with you guys. We want for you to create something." And um, and that's when he sent a few tracks. We gravitated towards this one track. It was unfinished. We go back, and they're like, oh, how about these other tracks? And we're like, no, now I think we're really married to this one track. So it was cool. Like, he finished it. We convinced him to finish it. He finished it. We released the trailer for Volta, announcing what Volta was at the time. And uh, and they really felt that kids and, and the audience really started to react to what song was in that trailer. And uh, and he finished the track. He has Jay Balvin, of all people, on the track now. And, um, and I don't think I can avoid it at this point. Everywhere I look, they're playing Kekalur. I'm hearing out of, like, Monday Night Football, then I'm hearing as I walk into stores, and I'm just hearing it everywhere, and it's... It's exciting because it's definitely a track that exists because of you guys. Yeah, they came and they performed at our launch event in London, and we there was like we we had all these footballers that came out earlier on. We had a tournament for Volta, and so we had a bunch of athletes there, and we had a mosh pit of athletes uh, dribbling and juggling while. These guys awesome. are playing, which was just like the greatest mosh pit I've ever seen. I was like, I've never seen this before. This is awesome. Um, and you know, as they were playing, they're saying, and you know, this is this is a song that came out of this collaboration. Like you just wouldn't have seen the light of day. And again, as fans, you take such great pride in that. Um, and every time you hear the song, and and again, it's a heat. It's so good. You go crazy. So that's one that I'm I'm very excited about this year because it's an amazing track. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations on the success. Congratulations on FIFA. Thanks for coming all the way out to our Thanks little, for having little me. spot in the world. So. You know, I'm a fan. Super fun. So thank it's a you. It's pleasure.